is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest, the analog TV podcast presented by a pair of idiots who don't know when to stop. Don't know when to stop, <laughs> don't have anything better to do. This horse was flogged to death and roasted by Fanny fucking Craddock on Christmas Eve. And yeah. yet here we are. Back again. 2021. This time it's sickening her. Time will tell, I suppose, as to whether or not it's going to be a, a more of a sickener. Usual rules do apply. We're taking it in turns to choose our fodder and in so doing undermine the mental well-being of the other. And we're back with The Price is Right. The Price is Right is a very special programme for you. It is. It's an unsettling memory in many ways. I recall you, at the end of a long relationship, you moved into a mutual friend of ours' house, and then The Price is Right started. Yeah, we started watching it every night. To be honest, I was more than a little concerned. And then I was very concerned yeah. when I also got into watching The Price is Right. Yeah, let's... Just dig a little bit down into that. I love it for how ridiculous it is. I love it for how overblown it is. And I love it for the fact that it has stayed the same, yet changed so much over the course of very nearly 50 years. This is his 49th year. The original, the, the, well, the original. Well, I mean, the well, original. It isn't the, yeah, the, the original, original price is right. Is even older still. Yeah, started in the 50s. 1950s, yeah. It started, ran from nine years, bounced around the US networks. I have seen it, it's shit. 56 to 65, it sort of bounced in in and around all of the US networks. Moving network, getting a little bit of uh, momentum, and then people went, no, this is rubbish. No, it was. I mean, I've seen, like I say, I've seen it. When, When The Price is Right started in 1972... Uh, actually, it, it's more or less the same age as me. So within a few either days or weeks, I can't remember. To within which. days, 4th of September 1972. It's three days older than me. And and just like me, it's grown old gracefully and with dignity. Well... Uh, shut up. <laughs> just, and just like you, it's responsible for a lot of spayed and neutered domestic animals. That is also true. Yeah, I, I love it as a, as a kind of as a piece of grotesquerie a little bit i love how excited and there's a there's a pureness to the excitedness I yeah think. yeah yeah there's no cynicism in the prices yeah right? there's no there's no cynicism whatsoever cynicism leave that at the door it it tickles a spot on me that no other tv show ever has it's not my favorite ever tv show by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm almost certain it's the one I've seen the most episodes of. It's certainly, I mean, to this day, whenever we're in the same room, um, yeah. if, if you can imagine that far back 
ladies and gentlemen, yeah, you will suggest watching an episode of The Price is Right, and I will usually go along with it. I, I would say that if we are together in the same room and we are not recording a podcast or something, there is a 50-50 chance that we will end up watching The Price is Right. Yeah, or blankety-blank. Yeah, the other 50 is blankety-blank. <laughs> um, so, the, I mean, the thing is, of course... This uh, episode is from 1984. I forget the date. 24th of March. I mean, the thing is, right, in March 1984, I didn't know any of this. No. No fucker in this country had seen the American version of The Price is Well, right. no, if- this is this is very true. And my interest, actually, is were was there a free song of excitement that accompanied the one of the iron horses of United States quiz shows? coming over here or were everybody just completely indifferent there was a lot of hype but i think that there was a lot of hype because the tv company put a lot into it yeah yeah it was it was not low key because it doesn't suit it to be low key it has to be as brash as it can be oh absolutely and so yeah there was an element of excitement about it i don't necessarily think it was because it was an american game show you know family fortunes is family feud and yeah, yeah. Plenty more besides. So I don't necessarily think it was that. And the one thing that I would say, because we're going to talk, obviously, about how crappy it was, because <laughs> we have to. <laughs> but by the standards of the time, this was big flash TV in this country. That's what it actually looked like. You didn't see gold on the mm-hmm. television. It's in true. March 1984. TV shows didn't have glittering logos. No. You know. But what I did find particularly fascinating was that I'm almost certain that the studio audience was entirely local. I noticed that as well, and I think there's probably something in that. I do get the feeling that, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't enough hype to get people flooding in from all around the country. They just bundled a load of people on a coach and shoved them in the studio. I heard three or four thick Nottingham accents, and I heard a very thick Birmingham accent as well. This is just the contestant, you know. It was filmed in Nottingham, I Yeah, well, you know, thereby, thereby hangs a tale, of course. Oh, because, um, well, no, because, you know... I might as well kickstart this. Yeah, yeah, you might as well. In December 1980, and we discussed this when we did Out of Town, I think. If it wasn't Out of Town, it was Runaround. Hello. I am a robot. Producer of this podcast with a production note. The episode Ian is referring to was in fact number 17. Concerning Southern Television's house party. Please enjoy the remainder of the podcast. I am still a robot. But in December 1980, the IBA announced the new ITV franchises. Yes. And uh, Southern TV lost their franchise, but that wasn't the big story of the day. The big story of the day was that ATV, the Midlands contractors, had lost their franchise. Mm. Except they hadn't quite. ATV were the biggest and the brashest of all of them on TV. You know, they had that great big honking logo before their programs. It sounds yeah. like three orchestras trying trying to play a slightly different version of the same arrangement yeah, it's at a the great same thing. time. And 
I'm indebted to Matthew Harris for this phrase, the um, ITV in the face dude, when he says that the, the, the logo said that this is the best television you will watch. <laughs> it's so arrogant. It's so big. And that's what their programmes did. You know, they went all over the world. They had an independent production arm called the uh, Incorporated Television Company, who kind of made a, a lot of their programmes. It was all done under slightly different umbrellas. Uh, but the thing about being international celebrities of the TV industry, because you've got to bear in mind that by the end of the 1970s, they were making the fucking Muppet Show. Yes, they were selling America their own Muppets. Uh, the problem with all of this is that if you're an ITV company, you also have to look after your own region. You have to have a certain number of regional programmes a week. Uh, you have to really demonstrate that whilst you can be an internationally successful company, you also care about the very people who are watching your programmes. Yes. And ATV didn't even have the name of their region in their name. No. You know, they. I think they were the only company whose name was, certainly, certainly after 1968, the only company whose name just made no reference <laughs> to where they were from whatsoever. And their regional programming was at best patchy. And they also were heavily criticised as being entirely centred on the West Midlands and ignoring the East Midlands completely. Yes. They didn't lose their franchise, but they were pushed into one of these shotgun weddings of which the IBA was occasionally partial to with one of the losing franchise companies. And actually what happened was that within a couple of years, Lou Grade and the, the old sort of remnants of his empire had sold off their stake and it was a completely different company. Uh, and the IBA also insisted uh, that they change the name of the company to represent its region because ATV didn't represent the region. ATV, I think, actually had a 51% shareholding, so they were the majority shareholders just. But the IBA decreed that they would have to change their name. So they changed their name to Central Television. And when they did that, what they actually found was that there was a guy who was like a kind of 1980s equivalent to a cyber squatter. (laughs) He, He had bought up the copyright. He'd acquired the copyright to all the variations of Central Television that he could possibly find. That's very modern. That's very modern thinking of him. It is very modern, isn't it? And what actu- what they actually did was, um, when they started out as a company, they had to set up their name as, uh, I think they were officially called Central Independent Television. I think. Hmm. they were. He hadn't, he hadn't thought of that one. Nowadays, they would just put the underscore central tv or central tv one or they just issue a cease and desist against it <laughs> um and so they went on january uh, on 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 air on the 1st of january 1982 and there was much wailing when atv lost their contract this was the company that made the prisoner you know jesus of nazareth uh, they made big international fucking blockbuster TV programs. Blimey. And suddenly, as far as anybody was concerned, 
they were just losing their franchise. Not even Jesus of Nazareth could save them. But what I find interesting about this programme is that this programme is probably filmed at the arse end of 1983, maybe the start of 1984. So ATV is a rapidly fading memory by by this time. Yeah. But this programme still carries their DNA. And it carries it so strongly. Now, one of the big criticisms of ATV was that their main studio complex wasn't in their region either. It was in uh, Elstree. Oh, lovely. In in Hertfordshire. <laughs> so, you know, they had studios in, in Birmingham, in the centre of Birmingham. <laughs> but um, their main studio complex was the Elstree Studios, because they're massive. Yeah, well. Um, as somebody who used to work directly opposite them. Yeah, that's a studio complex that you would like to have. But as far as the IBA were concerned, it was a little bit far away from the Midlands. Uh, and what actually happened was that the, one of the reasons why the one of the losing companies was invited to merge with them was that they had made a commitment to build an, the studio to replace Elstree in Nottingham. Yes. So that's how the programme... And, of course, it was used a lot. You know, Bullseye came from Nottingham, yeah. as you will be well aware. Uh, Blockbusters was recorded in Nottingham. It was probably all in the same studio, quite possibly. I would think so. Studio. But the programme carries ATV DNA. Oh, yeah. They've they've kept on the same orchestra, by the sound of it, who give it this, just this terrible music. It's just awful. There's bits of it that intersect with the, like, American version, and there are bits of it that are nothing like it. It just sounds so terrible. I think, actually, I mean, on the whole, the whole programme looks like a British facsimile of The Price is Right in America. But you have to remember also that this is the first ever episode. And a lot was to change. And a lot was to change because of our cheeky friends at the IBA, who will be making a further appearance in this podcast, I guarantee you. We are dealing with the first British Price is Right. No Bob Barker here. This is no. Leslie the Crowther. Crowther. Yeah. Side parting etched in with lasers. I wrote in my notes, and I about five minutes in, was that, look, I can see why they've chosen Crowther for this. He's an empty vessel. And that's kind of the point. I love Bob Barker. He is one of my absolute favourite human beings, and I include my family in that. <laughs> His job is to move things along quickly. His his job is to just get from A to B to C to D because it's just relentless. That's the thing about the prices, right? It yeah, never yeah, lets yeah. up. Once you're on that roller coaster, you're on it for you know and, until until they oh, say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know he's not unpleasant. There's not much to him. He's like your kind of funny uncle at a party. He's there's the, he's completely completely harmless. And I thought that five minutes in, but then I thought about 20 minutes in, oh, actually, this is way too slow, and he's not speeding things along at all. And it really started to drag. This is obviously, from your point of view, you've seen a lot of episodes yeah. of Prizes, right? So, I mean, I didn't notice that so much. I mean, obviously, you do notice it is a, it is a much more pedestrian show. Do you know who Leslie Crowther beat? 
to the hosting duties. I do and I don't. Well, the man he beat... I'll know it. As soon as you say it, I'll go, oh, God, of course it was. Go on. Joe Brown. Yes. Yes. What a strange... The early 1980s were really fucking weird for that sort of thing. Yeah. Sons, these brothers... Yeah. I, I found it an extremely interesting and very 1980s choice. Joe Brown? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was he going to do a song halfway through? Yeah, no, he, I mean, he, he he was one of those who just used to turn up on TV. Oh, know? he's absolutely. Just I mean, a, he, but, like, what, what, who is this guy? <laughs> Joe Brown it? turning up on Blankety Blank or Celebrity Squares. Yeah. I get it. Joe Brown hosting... The Price is Right would have been spectacularly ill-judged. Well, I don't know. But you know, who, how do you know? How they do you got know? as far as making a pilot with him. <gasps> they did. They had their. They did a pilot with Joe Brown. They did a pilot with Leslie Crowther, and Leslie Crowther was judged to be. I'd like to see the pilot. The best. I'm <laughs> sure you would. I'm sure you're going to be scouring the scampering off to YouTube. I, I totally get why it's Leslie Crowther, but like I say, within about twenty minutes, I was like. Oh my fucking god! Will you just get on with it? This this <laughs> should have been over three or four minutes ago. The episode of The Price Is Right that we watched this evening was, I think, it was fifty-seven minutes without advert breaks. Yes, The Price Is Right do, in USA does that in about thirty-eight minutes. It's true. <laughs> now, fair enough. They're both hour-long programs, and it's like you know, The Price Is Right in America is just the other twenty odd minutes is taken up with adverts. Yeah. This version, it follows the exact flow, the same workflow, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. like. Yeah, three, yeah, three the American version. prizes are given out, then there's a wheel game, mm. then three more prizes, another wheel game. And it takes exactly 50% more time for that to happen <laughs> on the UK version. And so that's why I was sitting there. I mean, there was the one bit where, there was one bit where the, the, fucking woman just had to pull out three numbers to win a scooter yep and um and I say just you just fucking get on with it Jesus Christ you've been sitting there gassing and you're not even talking about anything she did win the scooter though she did win the scooter that looked like a sweet scooter the one thing I will add actually about the prizes because I'm sure you're going to come back to these and tell me how crappy they are (laughs) Is that I'm almost certain that all of these prizes would have been considered swag at the time. I was expecting it to be very, very low rent compared with the American version. And compared with the American version in 1984. And it is. But they're not actually bad prizes. I mean, some of the prizes that were won, as you say, there's a 125cc motor scooter. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I looked at that and I was like, I reckon... Because I was trying to, but you know, are they giving away cheap tat at the end of the day? <laughs> and I looked at it and I thought, no, that's a Honda. I reckon that was, you know, it's it's highly likely that that was the best-selling scooter in the world. I would imagine so. Yeah. What else we've got? We've got a barbecue. We've got uh, a tumble dryer, music center, ice cream maker, exercise bike, yep. portable TVs. Uh, my own personal favourite was the set of cane furniture. Yeah, I mean that that's that hasn't aged well, has it? Whatever happened to cane furniture? Well, I mean, I I I, I assume it was aspirational at the time. Yeah, it's cane furniture with a floral pattern on the yeah. settee, a glass top table 
I know what's happened to the glass top table. As with all glass top tables, they've yeah, smashed. Somebody, yeah, somebody dropped it. Yeah. I, I tell you what, the one thing that I did notice making more than one appearance in this episode: sewing machines. Sewing machines. You don't hear much yeah. about sewing machines anymore, do well, you? No, I mean it's actually it's quite a lot. These food mixers, sewing machines, DIY stuff. It's ve- it's very much uh, it's aspirational, but in that sort of British style of aspirational where. You don't just get given the thing. You get given the thing in order to make the thing. Yeah. <laughs> because we haven't got enough money for to give you the thing. The, the yeah. thing that you want. So why don't you just do you know do your best, see if you can make it. By the way, you won't be able to. You're an idiot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my, there were a couple of things that I would have liked. Okay. Amongst the prizes. Go on then. I think I would have liked the workbench. I love oh, yeah. a power tool. I've got a, I've got an electric drill. It would be actually things like the sewing machine and yeah. the workbench and the food mixer. At the end of the day, they are actually very useful prizes. And I mean, all right, oh god, I've got a feeling I'm going to get pelters over this. Never okay, mind. all right. I liked the globe cocktail bar. <laughs> Well, now I love I love a globe. I like. I mean, no, I I've got it. It is a yeah. rather functionless object, but at the same time, you're never going to make it as a supervillain or even a supervillain's henchman until you've no, got a globe. No, you have a globe, and then you can open it up, and there's booze inside it. Yeah, and they, um, he did mention that they were chucking in all the bottles that were in it. That's true. Yeah. So you know. I'd fair, fair, fair fucks, I reckon. There was also there was a, a wall-mounted spice chest which uh, <laughs> was made of pine and retailed for an, a frankly eyebrow-raising eighty-four pounds. Yeah, yeah, when it looked like it had been made by me. Well, yeah, on that workbench. <laughs> My favourite array of prizes. There was one of the games that the, this woman got through to, and she had to work out the prices of four things. And uh, it was a fag lighter, Liberace's wash bag, a watch, and a retirement present. Our jewellery display comprises a lady's watch, carriage clock, a lighter, and an evening bag. <laughs> this lady's watch features a distinctive stainless steel bracelet with a gold plate trim and has a classic face with Roman numerals. This watch combines modern quartz technology with traditional Swiss craftsmanship. And a carriage clock, a classic timepiece for any room in the home. This neat clock, hand-finished in brass with English movements, has an enamel face and a solid brass winder. A famous name, Lighter. Next time you're asked for a light, produce a quality flame with this, the best that London's Bond Street can offer. This gold-plated lighter has a fine flint action and comes in a protective case. And to round off this display, a ladies' evening bag with matching purse and glasses case. This fashionable gold link set is fully lined, has strong clasps, and is sure to dazzle your friends. A fucking cigarette lighter, this gold handbag, this terrible looking thing, gold handbag. Yeah, it was entirely... Liberace's Liberace's wash bag. A watch that just looked like something out of Ratner's. Yeah. And, And a carriage clock. Well, the interesting thing with, I mean, that particular thing, that was Fiona playing 
Take Two. That was the game that she was playing. But yeah, Fiona, she had to pick two prizes that added up to £300. Personally, that array of prizes that you've just mentioned, I didn't think could have mustered up £300 between the four of them. 155 quid for a cigarette lighter. Well, I mean, they said it was a a famous name, lighter. Whether that means it it was a Zippo. No, it's probably a Dunhill. It it was gold-plated. How gold-plated is gold-plated? An inch? Two inches? Uh, You know, well, it was... (laughs) It was a light. It was a lot for a lighter. I mean, it was uh, frankly ludicrous for her to expect that any of those things were going to cost £155. She managed to find the one that did. No, fair enough. What about the uh, £159 Draylon armchair in peach? Brackets, brown. I've got it. I, I have it noted in my notes as brown chair yeah brown one chair word. one word there you go i've saved the english language a word no but never again do you have to say brown armchair you can just say brown chair brown chair i'll well, know what you mean and a velvet finish as well so after yeah. you finish getting electric shocks off the draylon yes you can feel I don't know, marginally comfortable. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah. And also, if you shit yourself, it probably won't show up because of the <laughs> unique it, peach colouring of the chair. It might. But, I mean, it's interesting what you say about the pace of the programme mm. because there were a couple of games played. Specifically, there's uh, there was uh, the first game ever played on U- uh, the UK Prices Right was the race game played with Norma, who was definitely the star of the show. The race game, you got 45 seconds to match the price to the item. That was a long 45 seconds. And then then Joan, who was... uh, She was the one who successfully bid on the armchair. She had to play the clock game, where basically you're given a chance to bid on the prizes and they'll tell you higher and lower. Yeah. Until you get the right thing. Now, that was 30 seconds. That was no 30 seconds on Earth. The thing is, I mean, the thing is that on that one, well, I had a good idea of what the TV was going to be. And I yeah. knew that the other thing, whatever that was, was going to be cheaper than that. It was an eight drawer Wellington chest it, with yeah. brass finish. By the time I got to the chest, I put my first thing in. For the second one. And I was only about eight quid off, nine quid off, something like that. And I got it I, in. I, I, I thought you would have yeah, been playing a lot. And I, and I would have, yeah. Because obviously she was going in completely the fucking wrong direction until the very, very end. And I was like, come on, love. Yeah, move on. They were no 30 seconds I've ever experienced. That was a long-ass 30 seconds. Yeah, Everything yeah. Seems, just seemed to drag on that little bit long. Yeah. The contestants, I like to mention a few of them. Norma, who was one of the first contestants out, was the winner of the first game. Now, do you think... Because she was the eventual winner. And yeah, and the eventual winner. Spoiler alert. She was the eventual winner. Sorry about that, everyone. (laughs) She was the eventual winner. And every time she won, in the first round, the second round, on the spinning wheel, where she didn't just win... Roll the 100, won 500 quid. And if you do it, you get 500 quid for that. Yeah. Didn't even know. Her life was turning into a dream, wasn't it? Everything she was touching. Yeah. 
was turning to gold. And her general approach was that of somebody who didn't really know what they were doing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, obviously she hadn't seen the show before because it'd never been on. Yeah, well, like I say, um, I just don't. That's sort of. I was like, what? I think. Oh, come on! This is like the fifth time you've done this now. Jesus! <laughs> yeah, so you're still Normally, not yeah. paying attention. I don't know why I'm getting angry about it. <laughs> like, I think 30. she's a classic UK game show contestant trope, though. She doesn't really understand what's going on, and she's just amassing a huge stack of prizes under the very noses of of people who may have studied all of this stuff for years. Norma, who I would say looked a bit like if you and Neil Warnock had had a baby. Hang on a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Neil Warnock? Yes. Fuck's sake. I was very pleased that she won. I was very pleased that she won because... And this is another. This is another thing that is a bit of an overhang from U.S. prices, right? I was pleased to see that there was no gamesmanship going on in the uh, pricing rounds. In those, no, early... yeah, I mean that was the same in the original prices, right? You you see that sneaking in after a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, was there was no bidding one pound, so that yeah. you you sneak in underneath, but. When it came to the showcase showdown, mm. Marlene, who had won the highest value of prizes so far in the in the program and therefore got first pick, yeah, turned her nose up at the first showcase because right. it did it didn't feature what the, she thought it was the, going to feature yeah, the the golden ticket. You know, it's going to be a new was, car, she, it's going to be a caravan, it's going to be a speedboat. No, nah, she was know. she she was all in on the car. I, I think she was all in on the car. Eventually, it was a five berth deluxe caravan. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. That other prize was so much better. I know that other, but the other prize I've, I've written like, this down. This, this is a down? great prize. This <laughs> is a fucking amazing prize. This is literally a prize that you can't get anymore. Yeah. Two two nights in London at the Ritz, West End show, luggage set, camera, slide projector, and screen. Trip to New York City on the QE two. Four nights at the Waldorf Astoria, Concord Home. <laughs> and that, she went. That. No, what else you got? Yeah, that is a fucking amazing... That is one of outside of, like, you know, if outside of cash amounts of money. I think that's possibly the best prize I've ever seen on a UK game show. Yeah, and she... Nah. You know, I mean, I take the million quid, obviously, and who wants to be a millionaire is more spectacular, you know. Yeah, but even if you won that million quid, you couldn't get Concord home from New York. I I was like, what the hell? I mean, I was when I was actually thinking about it. I, I, I need to look it up how much it was to travel on Concorde because it was a fucking lot of money. I think that the the QE two and the Concorde probably accounted for much of the overall price of that, which was three thousand eight hundred and thirty one. Which I thought well, pretty low actually. Norma didn't manage to get the New York trip because she was ten percent. She wasn't within ten percent of the total value. Yeah, but she, she did. That, well, I thought that sucked. Well, I mean, it sucked. <laughs> I but... didn't. I I did. I went out into the kitchen to get a drink and missed that bit. And when I came back in, I was like, "Well, I, I didn't catch it." Got to the end, 
And he said, well, you didn't get within 10 minutes. What the fuck was that? Yeah, Shut that up, was Crowley. A, that was you a rule, I believe, that they only had for the first series. You can't introduce fucking arbitrary bullshit like that. I've just looked it up, and uh, a single flight from... It gave it from Dallas-Fort Worth, actually, to um, to London. Adjusted for inflation, $4,200. <laughs> and uh, that's just the Concorde bit. I was very pleased that Norma prevailed because Marlene was holding out for a new car. In the end, she missed out on... Uh, whole heap of shit. I mean, the, the picnic hamper, inflatable yeah. dinghy, yeah. thanks. Yeah, cheers. Sun, a sunbed in 1984. So, yeah. hello, skin cancer. Yeah. And a five-birth deluxe caravan. Hey, what's better than going on Concord? I'll tell you this. Shitting in a chemical toilet. Yeah. <laughs> in a field in fucking... Yeah. Wiltshire. Wiltshire. In the rain. <laughs> this, Fucking hell. This is, this is bullshit. That was, that was hubris of the highest level. And there's only one thing could have actually made that better. And that's yeah. if she'd won the whole lot yeah. and had to go yeah. home with that heap of shit. Meanwhile... The sonic boom from 70,000 feet overhead as yeah. Norma tucks into a fifth glass of champagne because I'm pretty certain you can just drink as much as it is. I could shove well, down yeah, neck. I would think so. But herein, herein lies the, the, the tale, really. Yeah. And it comes back to the IBA, the yes. Independent yeah. Broadcasting Authority. Yes. Um, they were the ITA until 1973. The Independent Television Authority, and they became. Do you know? Do you know why they became the IBA rather than the ITA in 1973? Was it the, the same bloke squatting, and he. No, it was uh, 1973 or 1974. Bought the introduction of commercial radio in this country of LBC in London. Ah, of course. So they they yeah. took over the running of that as well and changed their name accordingly. Fair enough. That makes perfect sense. Yep. But no, yeah, so the IBA, 1958, there was a contestant on the British version of the show 21, which was a quiz show, Mm -hmm. who went home with £5,580 in prizes. (laughs) That was so much fucking money. It was enough to buy a car and a house. (laughs) How much was it, sorry? £5,580. Now, I think the powers that be took a look at that and thought, this smacks a little bit of social mobility to me. And by 1960, there had been a strict clampdown. The IBA introduced a rule about value and frequency with which prizes could be won. And they capped them at £1,000 until 1981, uh, when it was lifted to six thousand pounds, yeah. So hang on a bit. It was what five thousand five hundred and eighty? Did you? Yep. One hundred and ten thousand. Well, it's not bad, is it? And that's in a time when a house cost, well, you know, four grand. Yeah, I mean, amazing, amazing. The, the a couple of knock-on effects of the IBA strictures mm-hmm. was. That the UK version of the sixty-four thousand dollar question yeah. initially gave away sixty-four thousand 
sixpences <laughs> as a prize, which was equivalent to £1,600. Uh, and then later, and this is the one I remember, it gave away six thousand four hundred pounds. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, that's the one that I remember. Which was as well. the absolute yeah. upper, 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 upper ceiling of what you could give away. Mm. And in fact, the titular question of the sixty-four thousand dollar question, which didn't win you sixty-four thousand dollars anyway, yeah, could only be asked every other week. Because otherwise, the program risked giving away too much. Yeah, you would have. Uh, yeah, the 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 the, um, the quotas that were put in place were done series by series, so that a company could, if it wanted to, spend more money on one episode. They might want to do that for the first episode of the series. I strongly suspect that they did for this one. Oh, I should think so. Yeah, and then a little bit further down the line, when the interest has tailed off a little bit, then. Those ones, they have slightly crappier prizes. But we've only talked about Concord, the fucking Waldorf Hotel, the Ritz, the QE2. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. I know. That's, that's, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm just about certain that by the standards of the time, they'd have had to break the bank on that. And Marlene went, no, the upshot of it is, for the price is right, this episode it being the first ever of the series featured the wheel game yeah and the wheel game was not long for this world in uk no prices. it was not the iba decreed that it was not a sufficient game of skill to have such a high reward it was essentially a lottery and the british are a bit ooky about uh... lotteries or at least they were we're just no fun, are we? There's no this, no this fun at all. joyless, racist rock in the North Atlantic. The initial Ugh. 500 pounds that you get for spinning 100 once, there was an, again, this is very British, there was an electrician strike midway through the first <laughs> series. Yeah. During which the IBA went, look, you can't do this, you can't do that. And they had to retool a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and when it came back, the wheel game was not used to choose the participants. Yeah, no, it wasn't, was it? Because again, that's a game of chance. Yeah, it was there's just. No, a... That's not. It was. It was used instead to decide who would go first. Yeah, in the showcase that's show. it's just a bullshit thing, really. They they wanted to keep in there. If you spun a hundred, you didn't win five hundred pounds. You won four hundred pounds to be given to charity, with an extra one hundred pounds that you could win yourself if you answered a trivia question if you answer me my questions three fuck that this this is out of hand (laughs) just just give them the money (laughs) if it's too much if it's too much for their delicate sensibilities you know it's so peculiarly because as i say there is a an element of this show that is a facsimile of they're trying to create as close as they can within the guidelines set. Yeah, yeah. A British version of the yeah. price is right. And immediately they're caught with their hands in the till going, you can't just give away 500 quid for somebody spinning a wheel. Any Anyone could spin a wheel. So, well, not, not actually, not everyone could spin a wheel. You have to be a guest and then you have to get through and you have to go through that. And I think you could argue, you could argue that there is an element of skill. Well, to you it. could argue it's not a complete. It lottery. isn't a complete lottery. I mean, you could see 
uh, particularly at the second wheel spinning, there was somebody who needed to beat a certain score. Yeah. And they were, you could see that they were going for the game of skill. And of course, it had absolutely no bearing on the result. I still think it was Ben. It moved in a very weird way, didn't it, that wheel? Well... I didn't like it. It looked it looked as though there was somebody stopping it when it was appropriate to do so. It did seem a little bit like Norma, who was the shortest contestant and therefore the one yeah. least able to reach the wheel, did seem to be winning a suspiciously yeah. Yeah. high amount of prizes. If they were going to do that, why didn't they do that in the final and ever win the trip on Concord? Or maybe we're through the looking glass here, people. Maybe they adjusted the price of the Concord so that it was outside the 10%. Because if she'd won that mm. prize, next week they would have won yeah. a can of baked beans. <laughs> I'm sorry, we spunked, we spunked our entire prize budget for the whole series on this one programme. She was going to be in cattle class on Concord and they shuffled her up to first yeah. just so they wouldn't have to give her it. Maybe. I mean, I can only imagine... You've seen the wonder and excitement in Norma's eyes just being in the Prices Right studio. What's she going to do in New York City in 1984? Breakdance. Jesus. Yeah, breakdancing. I mean, that, that's what I obviously associate with New York in 1984. Maybe Crocodile Dundee. Was that 1984? AIDS. Bit early. Bit early. Well, I mean, it was a bit early for people to know about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a bit early. No, it wasn't a bit early for them to be getting it. Was, it. No. But I... I to be honest, I don't think that Norma was probably going to do anything that would have involved her getting AIDS. Carl Lewis. Carl Lewis. <laughs> there you go. Right, yeah, just running, yeah, just running down the street as yeah, fast as Bruce he could Springsteen. Go. I mean, there's all the American things that I can think of from 1984. I think 1984 is one of the most American years on it record. It definitely, definitely is. I mean, it was the most Ronald Reagan year yeah. of the Reagan presidency. 1984, Iran-Contra winning the election by an absolute landslide. Yeah, and of course the Olympics in Los Angeles. Of course. With the bloke in a jetpack. I saw that live. That's pretty sweet. Norma probably saw it live on Concord. I I mean, we've mentioned Norma. The other contestant I really want to doff my hat to is Derek, who was the first male contestant ever on UK Prices Right. And it's probably still there now because he was there for all six rounds, every single time guessing way, way above. Yep, absolutely no idea whatsoever. There is still a corner of a studio in Nottingham where Derek is just going, £35? Yeah. 112. He was the one who had the really thick, brummy accent, wasn't he? He was one. Marlene had a fairly impressive one. Just barking far more money than is actually required not the best strategy for the prices right a, a game show heavily predicated on always being underneath the the price yeah i've never fully understood that but you know them's the rules just as them's the rules which meant that norma couldn't go on concord so that we could afford to have hostesses next week i mean i i think we've rinsed as much as i want to rinse out of this do you think that the uk will ever properly harness the prices right or will it forever be no it is it's an american phenomenon it's a peculiarly american phenomenon i don't think um 
Uh, I don't. I don't really think there's any benefit to doing it. I think it was worth trying it in 1984 to find out that no, we couldn't. <laughs> but um, but I I don't. You know, I don't. I don't want to see anything like a subpar yeah. version of it. You know, they managed to. Bob Bob Barker retired. What 2007, I think. Um, yes. And to be fair, he was like. Well into his eighties, I'm not sure how old he is now. Is he ninety eight this year? I think he might be ninety eight. You probably this year. know better than me about the Bob. Still, yeah, still, still alive, Bob Buck. He's in fact, he's still made occasional guest appearances on The Price Is Right. Yeah. Um, but they handed it over to Drew Carey, and he's stuck with it. He's been doing it now. I think you know. Well, getting on for fourteen, 14 years. Fourteen years, yeah. And um, and he's very good. And it, and it is still as good as it was with Bob Barker. So, you know, they managed to get through that because obviously the host of the game show is all important. Right then, next week. Yes. I uh, I thought long and hard about this. And I'm going to choose Hammer House of Horror. Interesting. So we've... It's we've, a good one. We've had our little dose of quiz show fun. We've had our funsies. And now we are going to be legitimately horrified. Now we're going to go and hide behind the sofa for an Damn hour. Damn straight. Uh, these are going to be weekly from now on. Have you got anything to say about that? Not especially. I have rejigged our Patreon. Patreon.com slash 200% pod where you can get on and uh, support the project if you enjoy it or if you don't you don't have to enjoy it we're, we're really going to be i'm really only interested in money yeah yeah it's true <laughs> you'll get early access to uh for five dollars a month you get early access to every one of our episodes and um, for seven dollars a month you get early access to a special heftier director's cut version and a kiss and a kiss on the mouth from ian Yep. Obviously, COVID restrictions. Come and get it. Depending. Nah. Look, I put out a shout out to say, right, who's going to snog me on Twitter at midnight on Christmas? Do you know? Do you know how many volunteers I had? None. Yeah. Well, you know. None. Fuck social media. Well, it's been a difficult. It's been. A, it's been a <laughs> difficult year. If, if you tried it in. 2019, I'm sure you would have had a lot of takers. But then again, I'm sure that COVID-19 probably would have <laughs> taken taken hold yeah. a lot sooner than it did. Anyway, anyway, anyway. That'll do us for now, I reckon. Hammer House of Horror next week. Yeah. We'll be back with that same time, give or take. Thanks very much for um, listening. And goodbye. <laughs>